This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Gone Girl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the spiral down, bedridden like Zelda, curvature of the spine, sadness of the fam, hiding from the Orenco truck, Mr. Sweatbox himself, Just Wonder. How's it going, sir? Man, it's it's all right. It's all right, Nick. Just a little busy. Just a little busy, my, my friend. How about yourself? Me as well. Not as busy as you. Getting ready to hit the road again on Monday. I'll be gone all week and I'll be missing everything and missing all the fun. I had a little bit of an existential crisis today. Let's hear it. I was in the car and my son was singing, I don't know if you heard of the song, 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall. I don't know if you ever, have you heard it? Yeah. So we sang it for a while, I sang it with him, but then I realized that, do you ever get to the, do you ever get to the, the final bottle in that song? No. What happens? You know? Testament. Does the did they restock? Go do they go out of business? I mean, did they take a trip to Hawaii? It's a lot of beer sold at that point, right? Hundred bottles. Right. My son and I start talking about it, I, and I said, "Well, what if they just start you know start putting stuff back up and you just kind of go back up to ninety nine? You know, you just reverse it." I thought I'd put it to you. I imagine this is something you might have thought of before. No, I, I just hope your son doesn't think it's an excuse to drink ninety nine bottles of beer. I don't know when why I, you start singing that. It's an easy song to. To get in your head, I guess. I when I worked retail singing. in the video department, we used to play oh. that all the time. 99 copies of Cape Fear on the wall. 99 <laughs> copies of Cape Fear, you know, <laughs> and we'd slowly diminish the supply. 99 it, copies, huh? Now, in Germany, do they do 99 left up alone? There you go. Hey, by the way, Scorsese, speaking of Cape Fear, in the news, his movie played over in Can- Can- the Cannes Film Festival. I like how they, the, the, the length of a standing ovation, how, it, how much it... Who gives a fuck? I kind of I kind of care because they time it. There's someone there that has a stopwatch that times it. I find that to be one of the most embarrassing aspects of the film industry. A bunch of navel gazing Frenchies sitting there clapping. You know they do it because the crowd. You know the, the, because the cast and crew's there. Yeah. And, and it's them. You know we're we feel like we're a part of this thing. We feel like we're a part of this industry. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll laud you and uh, we'll feel a little bit better about ourselves in turn. Yeah, well, and I think Scorsese's movie got nine nine minutes. The new Indiana, Indiana Jones movie only got six, I think. Got negative minutes. three, apparently. It's getting apparently ripped. It's, it's getting shredded. One of my least favorite groups of people on planet Earth, the ones who will clap in a theater in the suburbs. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll throw a clap in a movie sometimes. So you don't like when I do it, huh? You've never done it in my presence, and it makes me want to literally push them under a moving steamroller like the Toxic Avenger or something. Fair enough. No, I'll, I'll stand up and give a, a 
wild applause too, like crudes too. You know, I'll, no, I mean, I, I kind of like when people clap. There's a smattering of applause in the audience. You know, some, it has to be a kind of a special movie to get that kind of uh, response, I think. I haven't heard it for a while. I think you're right. Usually, I think it, it just takes me out of it. It's like, you know, they're not here. They don't care. You're not doing anybody any favors. People know how to feel on their own. Not Who, since Lightyear have I heard a wild, rapturous applause in the audience. Right. Who doesn't cheer at the end of Nothing to Lose? Well, back in the day when Darkman, I saw Darkman in the theater, and Bruce Campbell has that cameo at the end, I did stand up and get, and, and do a little applaud. I don't know if I applauded, but I stood I was so happy to see him. But I was young, Nick. I was a kid. Just a little you guy. You wasted Just claps, Justin. You wasted claps. Guess Fair what enough, it did for that good. movie? Nothing good. Got two sequels. Ain't nothing think- to stake. Direct-to-video sequels, Justin. To shake a stick at? Yeah, I mean, Larry Drake came back. Don't worry. Jeff Fahey. Vosilu in this. Wasn't he the hero? He replaced Liam. Vosilu is one of those guys who deserves a lot more help, a lot more work. Deserves to pop into an Expendables movie or something. Give the guy a break. He's great. He's a dapper dude, too. He's stylish man, you know? And early bald. You know, he was bald early and, and, and turned it into absolute coins. He didn't care. He's like Billy Zane. Lost the hair, you know, and he was like, I'm just going to even get more beautiful and cooler. Not many can say such a thing. I think Billy Zane, it pro- he probably had a couple of restless nights as it started to fall out, the good-looking guy that he was, sex symbol. Oh, for sure, but he's still a good-looking dude. Like, he's, you know, he's 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 a good-looking bald guy. But Vosloo, we never saw him as a, a guy who was sexy with hair. Let me just Google real quick. Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> with hair do you think we'll see a picture i hope it doesn't accidentally redirect you to his with nail and eye performance on broadway let's see it's just an app there's a i can download an app where you get to put all sorts of different hairstyles on him it's nothing it's nothing to shake a stick at there's plenty of it some of it plenty of his hair plenty of his hair in this you know he had he wore that skull cap up until i mean he's got the skull cap i mean actually weird with hair i don't want hair actually he's a haired man who shaves for the mummy i think oh my god he's haired yeah he's speech and haired he's living (laughs) he's living a bald lie gotta admit now that i think about it he's been haired more than more than not haired in my in my experiences with him that is a i didn't realize vaslu latest victim of the mandela effect he's so iconically bald you forget you you layer it over his other roles where he has hair it's like jeremy davies you you label that one good performance over all the bad performances and you get the misunderstanding that he's talented which which good performance shit you got me. i don't i don't mind him you're the one that doesn't like him you mean in um saving private ryan no he's just a piece spanking the monkey oh no can't lost Don't know his work. Solaris? Continue to not knowing his work, please. What's going on other than you being... Why are you spread so thin, Just? It's had a lot of work, man. Lots of deadlines. Then plus we're leaving. We're going on a trip. What? We're leaving. I didn't even tell you. We're leaving Saturday, going up north. What? It's visiting some family. That is good. That is uh, not pot approved. I know. I, I kind of forgot about it, that we were leaving so quickly. So yeah, I didn't get it pot approved. Damn it. Can I go? You didn't file this with HR. Now I'm kind of wondering... Does that mean these these poor people are going to miss another week? Maybe we can try to record it anyway, like when I'm up there. I'll just take my equipment, and then my in-laws will be like, Justin, what are you doing? Shut up! We're doing the Hollow Man. Are you going to Illinois? Going to Michigan, son. What's wrong with that? 
Well, Michigan. I went to Michigan for the first time in my life late last year, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I, I did not see a, a, a work order open up in my email saying that Justin had filed a request for some time off. Hey, let me do something real quick because I am cutting out a little bit. Let me try to change my uh, Wi-Fi. Are we gonna stop recording? Maybe. Is that all right? This is a not, it's a failed production. I think you should keep it going. It's less work. Let's just keep it going. Really? Because I think if I switch to my Wi-Fi, we won't have these problems. My other one. It's, it's on the extension. Though. It's on the extension for some reason. Okay. Or either that, or do it. But let's not. I don't want to. I don't have two two files. So just I'll I'll wait. Just leave it rolling. All right. Let's see what happens. It might cut. It might. Michael Papajohn uh, is a fantastic performer. Once a stuntman, but not always. Perfectly capable of having a performance that is driven by his work ethic his training, the skills that he brings to the table. A man that is bald from time to time and haired from time to time. I think there's an example to be set by Michael Papajohn for being born with a fucked name and continuing to thrive in uh, an industry that doesn't reward hard work, but rather being in the right place at the right time, having the right DNA, or being willing to suck and blow your way up the ladder. Michael Papajohn grinded it out, did the things that were needed, and pulled it off perfectly. I missed it all. I was gone. I think it stopped. Is it still recording somehow? I, yeah. That'll stay in the episodes. So that's okay. <laughs> Is it really still recording? Yeah. So I backed out and came back in and it's good. Yeah. And, how, and I sound better and I look better? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. I don't know. You never really talk about my your, your affection for my voice and my looks. So if you want to hit me up with some compliments right now, this would be a good time, you know? Uh, succession's on. I'd love to get to it. Damn it. Well, thanks for thanks for uh, filling the air, so to speak. And I'm sorry I'm leaving, but we'll figure it out. We're going to keep recording. We missed one week. That's not going to happen again. Can't happen again. I'm traveling the same exact days the following week, so I just I just need stuff to edit on the on the road, you know, at night in my bedtimes. I will say this. Next month I am going on a 6-day camping trip. It's going to be hard to record during that. Looks like Looks like you're spending a Sunday here and watching three movies and recording three episodes. We gotta, we, we're gonna have to do it, I think, which is fine. As long as long as they all star Missy Pyle, I'm good. I'm going glamping tonight, Missy Pyle. I hear Brownwall, little piece of it. It's our show's signature sound. I mean, let's let's just move out, guys. It's the movie microscope. It's the show where we zoom in. We use suction to get to Shreveport. We shun the oily caretaker. Shit on a circuit. Grieve about science. Get soiled in the middle of the party. Pull the UPC codes off of children. Tug on breakfast. Butt bump the hairless staircase. Vote for a berserker. Put YouTube in its place. And rip words out of the mouths of babes. Watch a movie through a set of destroyed, suck-ass, rip-ass, feuding eyes that have been decimated by Maximus Decimus Meridius. Let it roll downhill through our eyes again. Blast it. And then eventually watch a movie and see what makes a break. Share with the listeners. So if we're talking about Pleasantville, yeah. I'm talking about the scene where Tobey Maguire goes from color to black and white, only back to color, only back to black and white again after being horrified at the tint of his jizz. Talk about the little moments. Brownwall broiling behind that, by the way. It is just. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Sounds like a fish tank. My headphones block out most of the brown. I was gonna say I started laughing in that because I started picturing you. Do you ever go to like a uh, a museum where they have? I guess they have like the like an IMAX in it, and they show those those documentaries like on those giant you know like a giant IMAX screen. I for some reason I just pictured that, and instead of like documentary narration, your words, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your ramble playing through the crowd. 
just made me laugh. The victims of Sarajevo. I went to uh, I went to one of those with my son, and they started talking about how the Earth probably could be destroyed by you know volcanic eruption, and they just showed all the horrific thing. Yeah, you know, like basically a city's getting destroyed, and my son was like, "Can that happen?" I was like, "No, no, no, no." But it, I mean, they told him it could. It's not cool. Like I, we just went to see some big dinosaurs. Hopefully, you know, talking about the ends of the the ruins of the Earth. And he's in the car thinking to himself, my dad told me to really pay attention to all this cool stuff about the dinosaurs from these learned folks, yet there's one part that my father is the expert on, and that is the future of Earth. That kid's going to grow up hating you, man. Why is Brownwall so insane right now? What's going on? Sloshing. To ask about Brownwall is, oh my God, now I can hear it. Someone speaking of timing things, timing things that... At the Cannes Film Festival, you know, time this. A nine-minute brown wall. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter has to be draining the bathtub again. God, I hope. What's your relationship with Gone Girl? What's my relationship with this movie? I saw it maybe twice before this. I I know I saw it in the theater. I might have seen it with you. Uh, I liked it. I remembered... I remember this movie very well. I think I must have seen it more than once. And so I, I remembered pretty much everything about it. No surprises. I didn't remember the penis shot that you had mentioned to me. I did not know that that happened. But now you do. I did look for it, and it was there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it hadn't happened yet. What's going on? Oh, at the end, they're in the, they're in the bathroom, both naked. I remember when I went to a press screening of this movie, because I was still dabbling back then. So was I not with you? I don't, I don't know. All I know is there was something wrong with the soundtrack, the, uh, pr- the digital print, the, the score. Yeah. Uh, by everybody's favorite Trent Reznor was jacked up on there and it was in the front of the mix so it was over all the dialogue mm. so they played like they played 15 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. with that and it was insane I thought David Fincher was having having a piss at us he, he was basically oh I'm gonna do a mainstream cash out rap book ad- adaptation mm-hmm. Fuck you! I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna burn your ears off. I'm gonna I think gasp he kind of still does that. In this. I'm gonna gasp for no way. This shit is it. Atticus, Atticus Ross as well, right? It's not just yeah. Reznor yeah. only. Yeah, yeah. But then it. they fixed it, and I watched it. Uh, yeah, and I've I've seen this movie at a lot of times. Why? I find it almost perfect. Really? I find it almost perfect. Yeah, I think it's almost a perfect movie. I think it's better directed than written. I will say that. Now, who cares what I think? No, that's part of why I think it's perfect, because it's super pulpy, generic uh, thriller material given the absolute platinum treatment. I think Fitcher knows every bit of what he's dealing with, and, and the way that he presents it is constantly fucking with you, giving you more than you deserve, and and testing himself. And I just... So when it's something silly or cheesy, he finds a way to make it interesting. And if he doesn't find a way to make it interesting, he finds a way to make it luxurious to look at. And if he doesn't do that, he finds a way to show us a person or a character in a a different light. I just think he really... It it may be my favorite work as a director by him. Really? I mean, I think it's it's good. And I think, in a weird way, I think it's... I mean, it's kind of a comedy, I guess, in a weird way. Like, there's a lot of comedic elements to it. Fincher definitely... Oh, it'd be interesting to th- see what he thinks about the material. You know, if he really liked the book. It just doesn't feel... It just feels like he's working with kind of shitty material and it, it not mattering it to, to him. You know, I think that matter. was the challenge. I think that was the challenge. He's, 
he's done what at this point he's done Social Network and Seven and Fight Club and all these great movies. Zodiac, I think he, this may be after Zodiac, which is. Mm-hmm. And I, another, I don't mean another, to slander uh, the another perfect film. No, it's an, but that's another perfect film. But an, a, a movie written by a former Entertainment Weekly columnist might have been a fun challenge for him. So her name is Jillian Flynn or Gillian Flynn, do you know? I think I th- I'm think i going to say Jillian. And she's kind of a big writer right now, and I'm not saying she's not talented. That's not true. Actually, I think there's there are a lot of fun elements to this story. You know, it's a wild story. I just think, I feel it's... Fincher sometimes seems a little bit at odds with it, but it's still... And it, that's why the movie, I think, resonated or resonates so much. It's definitely... And it's definitely really well cast. Everybody's great. Including your boy, Patrick Fugit. I love him in this movie. Actually, he's great. <laughs> he his like he has doesn't get much to do, but when he has something to do, it's 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 a lot of fun. Do you think he gives a fuck at all? The character he is so matter of fact, but there's no emotion. He ne- lets nothing get in the way of his opinion. And I swear, Kim Dickens as the as the cop as the detective. And, you know, Fugit's partner. I almost wish that she would have a spinoff movie. If that's how good she is in the, is in the... Her character is that good. So is Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon, this is her first movie, and she's one of my favorite actors, and she's just... I mean, she's fantastic in this, but she when has she been bad? Like, she's, no, she's always good. She's never been bad. That's Proxima Midnight you're talking about. And then, of course, <laughs> at the center of it is an, uh, just an absolutely Oscar-nominated, riveting performance by David Clennon. Speaking of getting old in the dark, oh my god, he got he he may have gotten older than anybody in the in the older than old. Still working and Clennon. I mean, he's got to be eighty. Has to be. First of all, you, you want to talk about embarrassing? What? Film got nominated for best makeup effects by Rick Baker. Rick Baker had nothing to do with this movie. The Academy was like, wait, that's David Clennon's real. Clennon, eighty years old. Clennon, he was Palmer in the thing. We just we just or I just saw I just watched it. He is. Still working, I love him so much, and his name is incredible, David Clennon. I watch his acting reel. Whenever I get a chance, I'll go back to that on YouTube and watch it. I love it. He's got this his acting reel that he'll put up every like couple of years. Okay, and, and at the end it goes by Clennon. And, and then you, you talk about Oscar nominated. Rosamund Pike did get Oscar nominated, but D- deserved it. I love how Ben Affleck just he just rolls on in the streets. Like I think I'll be Ben Affleck in this. He just rolls in. He's great. He's great. So just this. call him Ben. <laughs> Let's go through the cast. We kind of mentioned a lot of them. Who didn't we mention? Boyd Holbrook in this. I couldn't believe it. I did not know he that was him. Nor I. This was the first time I saw it and recognized him. Lola Kirk in don't here. Know. I follow her on Instagram for some reason. I don't know why. She's um, an actress in a lot of things. Her sister was on, on Girls, one of the main characters. But she's a musician. She plays the um, trailer park. Uh, I like, yeah, she's good in this. She's mm-hmm. got a weird mouth pimple. I don't know if it's real or it's just meant to look like the character has herpes. I don't know. I think it's meant to make the character look like it. she has herpes. So, but we Tyler in. Tyler Perry in this. He's amazing in this. He's really good. He says fuck twice, which I didn't think I... He, has a, he said a really strange thing about this movie in the trivia. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, I read that too. It, it sounds like a lie, actually. No, looking at his work, I could see that he never heard of David Fincher. Really? Sella Ward in this? Or is it Sela? Who gives a fuck? You got one of the stars of Zodiac, Lee Norris, in this? Yeah, Casey Wilson in this. SNL's own. I don't know the person. She's the neighbor that... Oh, she's rough. Emily Ratatowski? 
Yep. Who you follow on Instagram? Redikowski. Redikowski. I follow on Instagram for just to find out about her mother, you know, her motherhood tips and stuff like that. <laughs> then we mentioned everybody else. We got Clennon, Coon, Dickens, Rosamund Pike, and Ben Affleck. And there's a there's a character actor who usually appears in Boston centric movies, Jamie McShane, who I like. Jamie McShane in this. Who? Who did he play? He was a person. Can I just time out real quick? Just real quick. Real one. Just give me one second to say this. Yeah. Brown wall still going. Holy, absolute what? <laughs> WTB? I feel bad for our listeners who who have to go to the bathroom and don't want to be reminded of water, and we're making the PPP. <laughs> we should. It sounds like we're recording this at Niagara Falls. Have you ever been? No. Live near it though. You ever see Niagara, Niagara? No. With uh, Henry Thomas and Rachel. I hate. I, I I don't watch any movie where it's the same word twice. I didn't see Korean Karina. Parks in this. And who's the who's the actress? Rachel. She was in Empire Records. What was her name? Shape Ratch. Head. No. No. What's her name? All right, Nick. Kick this one off. The premise of Gone Girl is such: a well-to-do couple who have been privileged in their lives are forced to move out of the city away from the comforts, and it exposes their disconnect and exacerbates their marital issues to the point where the woman sadly disappears in a very questionable scene. And as a result, her husband is the number one suspect and is forced to try to figure out what's going on, protect himself, and also try to keep some of his own shenanigans from coming to light. Yeah, pretty succinct. You did it. And then uh, he kisses her, her head while sugar falls on it. <laughs> he does. It's a weird scene. A little over the top. But it's okay. It's supposed to be an idealized version of them in the, you know, in those flashbacks, I guess. Okay, well, we meet Ben Affleck in this movie. What is he lugging? Is it, what's he lugging? Garbage? I think he's lugging a copy of the, of the board game Mastermind. Oh, yeah. It? Well, he does take that to the bar, for sure. Which makes me very happy. You like Mastermind? I love it. Let me rephrase that. I've played it nil in the last 30 years. I loved it. We should have a mastermind night. You know, get Patrick Stewart in there. Yeah. Also a man that is secretly haired. (laughs) Is he? Got so much. Oh, wow. Wasn't he in Masterminds? He was. Who else was in it? Kids. Yeah. Patrick Stewart, man. There's a man that's been doing it. Also 80. He's like, he's Clennon's age. Maybe a little older. Hasn't he been rough rough riding the same lady for like 60 years or something? I mean, that's an interesting Zoom. I guess we could look it up. Has Patrick Stewart been rough riding? I think he got... No. He's recently married, right? 2013. He rough rode somebody for 30-something, like almost 30 years. Yeah. Then he rough rode someone for three. And then he's been rough riding for about another 10. (laughs) He's married to a 44-year-old. Where's the problem? He's young. He's young still. Holy <laughs> shit, he's 82. <laughs> he said, I'll never do half. I'll never do half. He goes, I'm never going to marry someone that's half my age. That's Sunny a bridge Ozell. too far. It's a bridge too far. <laughs> What's her name? Sunny Ozell. She's a singer and songwriter. Sunny came home to an oldie. Those days gone by, and I can't find a pube that's not white. (laughs) Sonny Ozell in this. (laughs) Meeting Patrick Stewart when she was, what, early 30s? He's going to drop her like a bad habit and start dating Susie Cash App. 
<laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Patrick Stewart's still, he's still a vibrant human. He's got a job, for God's sakes. At least he did. He was on that show, well-received, Picard Season 3. You watched it? No. But our good friend Steve Murphy mentions it every time I speak to him. He loved it? He hates it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So there's a few things I. <laughs> Sonny came home to an oldie. Go <laughs> <laughs> find a white beard. All right, they, I'm good. They uh, but no, I love it. The movie starts off. Affleck is visiting his sister at the bar that they co-own. Right. And I instantly want to be friends with these people. Because he's got a copy of Mastermind in tow. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of board games behind the bar. And they, and they share a glass of Blanton's bourbon, which is an overpriced and sought-out now allocated liquor that used to be very easy to get a hold of. But it just mm-hmm. made, me, it made me warm. It made me warm seeing the two. They, they seem to have a, an interesting relationship. Carrie Coon's adorable, and she's fun. They're supposed to be twins, which is a, a stretch. Affleck, he was worried about, worried about the age difference, too, because she's... Almost ten years younger than he is, but I don't think that really shows in the movie. She's younger than him, but you know what I'm saying. I don't think it. I mean, it's not like I think he plays. He looks pretty young in this. I mean, it doesn't matter. But they're twins. They own this bar together, right? And yeah, she is. She's great. She's she's super fun. This is like right before she was going to be on the leftovers, or at least around the same time where she also killed it. Was that um, what she? Is that what she's most known for? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, she was on. She's been in a bunch of things, but yeah, she was. She was in like what four, three, three seasons of The Leftovers. Is that how long it lasted? You, you're the one who watched it. I loved it, and you know she's married to Tracy Letts. That's tough. She's in a bunch of his uh, his stuff. You want to talk about an age gap? He is older, right? I mean, he's in his fifties, probably, maybe sixty. If Tracy Letts is in his fifties, I might just kill myself now. It's probably he looks like late fifties. Probably late fifties, I'd say. We're in our fifties, Justin. Yeah, but not late 50s Holy yet. shit, he's in his late 50s. That's right. Plus, he's also like a mega talented dude. Like, that guy is a very good writer. And a good actor, actually. Man, I look at Tracy Less and I think of him as an old man who is six years older than me. <laughs> Carrie Coon, that's a good name. That's, that's a fun name, kind of. Alliteration. Bunch of fun think? names in this. Missy Pyle. Come on. Who do you think Carrie Coon? Was it Sean Gunn or was it... Bradley, who really Carrie Coon? You think in those movies, Roseman Pike, Kim Dickens? Oh, look at all these fun names to say. Fugit. <laughs> is he still out? Is he still in there? It sucks that he's not out there more. You you co- you've come around on him. I'm the one who liked him originally. I, I thought, love him. I, I, I love you, Almost Famous. I thought you fell away. He's forty. Oh my God, we're dying, Justin. <laughs> he's on Instagram. Oh, I mean that's for sure. He's got no upcoming. He was on Love and Death. Oh, God, he was on that Love and Death show with... Um, I thought it was animated. No, that's Love and Death and Robots. This is... Love and Death is that one that um, Elizabeth Olsen's... It's like a... Just came out. Yeah, it's that story we, about the we, woman who... Jesse mur- P., right? Yeah, she they have an affair, and then they murder... He She murders the guy's wife. That was already a miniseries, and then there's also a documentary. So they've told that story like three times in the last like three years. I, I'm, I'm shooting, not- for, shooting for four. Let's get another one going, you know? Can we, is that Dirty John? Can we do it on the Dirty John while we're at it? Let's get the Love and Death multiverse so they, all the characters meet. All the. <laughs> Why do you think they tell that story so much? Like, what's so interesting about it, you know? 
I can't I watch it. I can't watch any of them. I do. I do like Elizabeth Olsen. I I will say. I, I, really I do like. like her. I like Girl as well. And I, you know, Plemons. Do you see he thinned out? It's a shame. He went thin. Well, I mean, you got to keep that dunst happy. I like him because he talks slow. It's his trademark. Speaks slowly. I like him because he's good in everything. Yeah, he's in the Scorsese movie. All right, let's talk about Gone Girl. What board games did you notice whenever he gave Carrie Coon Mastermind for her birthday? I, I saw them on the shelf, but I didn't bother. I mean, I know they played the game of life, but I don't remember. All right, so here's the thing. There's a Ouija board, though. There is. She, under the bar, she puts, they have a game corner. It looks like a game shelf, and she puts her gift on top of these games. You have Mastermind, obviously. Ouija. Ouija. Yahtzee's in there. Emergency, which I'm not familiar with. Let's make a deal. Which I want to hang out at the, the bar. I want to hang out there. Which is people. a board game of a TV show, which it's, those usually don't work too well, but Jeopardy, you know. Disagree. I remember back in the day, I, I, we would have a $20,000 pyramid game we used to play at the house that was plastic. You'd have to set up this plastic pyramid. Right, that was fun. Password, too, maybe. Put all the little pieces of paper in there. Yeah, and then Family Feud we had as well. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about this. Wait, you had a Family Feud board game? Oh, yeah. That's probably pretty fun, actually. So, Fincher's having fun. He's, he's filming the living daylights out of everything. Ben Affleck gets a phone call from a neighbor that their cat is outside. Let's, let me say something about this cat. I was going to bring it up. One of the it's, best characters in the story. This is something I didn't remember, is how prominent this cat is throughout the whole film. Yep. And how beloved it is. Absolutely. By everyone. Everybody loves it. And it is a very, like, um, positioned cat. It's in a lot of shots. It actually, it's it's a major character. I noticed that everybody pays their respects to this cat, yep. almost, in the film. And I pay, also noticed that Carrie Coon doesn't know how to pick up a cat. Oh, really? You know, this, is, this is a huge zoom. What do you mean? She picks the cat up just by basically picking it up and, 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 for, and basically putting all the weight on the cat as you pick it up. You want to supplant that weight so you're not straining the animal. And she just holds it in a way that's uncomfortable for a cat. Right. For especially for a big cat like that, I felt like it was uh, it was the only only part of the movie that took me out of it. She, I heard Carrie Coon talk about this. How her character didn't know how to pick up a cat. It just it's just funny that somebody's called Carrie Coon can't carry cat. Yeah, fair enough. You zoomed but, in. I don't know. Yeah. I can't validate the zoom, and I, I refuse to go back and look because I will not. So have the her cat criticized. is is lingering at the doorstep, which. Uh, made me hate Rosamund Pike's character halfway through the movie, knowing that she would let that thing be exposed to the outdoors. Applet goes inside. And he plays Nick, by the way. That's his character's name. Hey. I should know that. And uh, he uh, he notices some, some stuff in disarray, begins to be slightly confused, and then calls the police. And it's cool. They send a detective and a, and a, and a, a patrolman at the, right away. Right. I, I guess that's a small town situation. But we are introduced to Kim Dickens and Patrick Fugit quite early in this story. And the dynamic between them and Affleck is amazing. To watch them size up every response that he has to every question, the body language. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't do himself any favors because he's sort of just a schleb. You know, he's he's not doing anything right, necessarily. He's coming off aloof. He's uh, There's a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of, uh, you know, I love it. I love that stuff. I could watch that stuff all day long. Yeah, he's not doing himself any favors, which Carrie Coon points out. Like, he's fucking up, like, a lot. You know, obviously there's been a lot of cases where a husband has killed his wife. You know, that's a big part of our lovely country that happens a lot. And then these guys are kind of become minor celebrities, you know? And so, you know, and they do this kind of thing where they'll kind of do the same thing Affleck's doing here. Uh, smiling too much or saying weird shit but in this case 
this this is the one guy that didn't do it. Yeah, I think of that Chris Watts case a little bit, the way that that guy was Ugh. when the cops showed up. Actually, um, the story the story sort of mirrors that up until the, the midway point in some respects. Yeah, he, he does it, which I guess you don't want a performance if you're a cop either. I love these moments because, you know, the first time you see this movie, if you haven't read the book, you're 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 getting caught up into the 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 generic formula, right? So right. you're expecting to start internally gathering your own information as this thing goes to determine where you stand on who the murderer is. Half the fun of these kind of movies is determining who the killer is, and this movie plays along with that vibe for about 55 minutes, which is to its benefit. I think that's one of the reasons it right. works. It is a just an ongoing The first hour of this movie is basically let's shit on Ben Affleck. Yeah, because he deserves he deserves a lot of it, but also our you know the public persona and the way that they gang up on people. You know, first they get behind him and then they gang up on him. It's it's a lot of fun to watch, and it doesn't. You're right. There's not a moment. You know, there's not a role that's miscast in this movie. So everybody is doing their best to sell that. We didn't mention Neil Patrick Harris. I don't think at the beginning. He's not in it until later. Yeah, well, we didn't. You're right. We didn't mention him as part of the cast, and he's like third build, I think. And or Scoot McNary. We didn't mention him either. Yeah, and uh, he um, he makes it in this too, which is good. NPH. And actually, he's good in this movie. I forgot. Like he is kind of good in it. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different too. Um, I found the cat's name in the movie and the cat's name in real life. Let's have it. It's Bleaker in the movie. Bleaker the cat. I don't like and it. Cheeto. In real life, I do like that. I don't Finch, like Bleaker. I do like Cheeto. Fincher said, "I was just saw it real quick that Fincher loved the cat so much, and he and he said the cat was kind of unhealthy during the shoot, like it was kind of dehydrated or something, and his fur was kind of messed up. But he loved it, and uh, you can tell he's very <laughs> interested in putting that cat in frame. And the cat has like a room in this. Did you hear? Well, they put it. They put it in a room to keep it from getting you know in, involved in the shenanigans. I don't think it's a cat's room." Are you are you serious? I feel like they have a little room for him. I think it's a bedroom, just a bedroom that they just like a spare bedroom because I think it was uh it was I think it was the same room where some of the the, sh- the knickknacks and stuff were. Fair enough. Fuck it. The cat has a room. Let's just do, <laughs> let's just decide for the film right now. I think Fincher wouldn't disagree. That'd be great if if that would make Rosamund Pike's character so likable if she faked her own death. And, and took the cat with her. Went all out and got drained some of the blood from the cat, so it looked like both her and the cat got murdered. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, the she's uh, she's getting groceries, and somebody spl- spots Bleaker in a car, calls the authorities. They recognize Bleaker. So yeah, all that stuff's happening. And you know, one of the things I guess the movie is kind of setting up. You know, there had to be a twist, but we don't know where Rosamund Pike's character is, and you we're hearing voiceover from journals as she's telling her story with uh you know how the, how her and nick met right and it's very um that's what kind of bothered me in this in this movie a little bit is was it were these scenes love it tell me why why do i love the voiceover scenes no i don't mind the voiceover scenes i don't love the scenes of those two together like kind of in this idyllic ideal- and i guess that's the purpose i think she's kind of really layering it on for her journals and you're kind of seeing her version of things yeah the audience is she that's just them fucking with you none of this well a lot of this is not true and i just didn't like there's that scene where they're at a party for her book she she has this weird backstory where she her parents got famous by basing a fictional character on her amazing amy amazing amy and and um and then Amazing Amy had like a better life, like her had better outcomes and things like that. 
but yeah, her parent. And so they're celebrating this character. Everybody knows that she's the character's based on her, so she's at this party, and these journalists are interviewing her. And there's that the scene when then Affleck breaks into this interview, and it, I just don't like that scene. It just bothers me. Is it because he talks about how great her vagina is? I don't like that in front of these strangers and journalists. Then he proposes to her in front of them, which I think is also odd. See, I didn't think that, I didn't know they were journalists. I thought they were. It was just a party, and they maybe, were maybe I thought that she was spending time with the press. But maybe they were just even if they aren't the press. They're but they were all asking her questions. That's why I thought they were kind of. It, I, I my, see. My take is Fincher shot that almost as a rom com scene, a scene from like an, uh, a rom com to try to, to make some commentary on it. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. I still don't like it. Okay. But yeah, he says that she has a world. You have a world class vagina, mm-hmm. and that's you know. I don't, how can it, you how can well, you make that line? How can you sell well, it? It's impossible. Well, they could sell it because it goes through the paces in this movie. It gets devoured by one Mr. Affleck. It gets wine bottled. It gets Neil Patrick Harris. It gets rubbed with wine. She it does. Would, yeah, she does. She, it gets bathtub scrub. I mean, she is... I think one of the things about Rosamund Pike in this movie is it is a f- rather fearless performance. And I always liked her like as a persona in movies sure. from time to time. She is dominant in this. And it's a. it should have been a, a star-making performance for her. She's always good. Like, she's very dependable. But, yeah, this is a really strange character. Like, it's... You know, she's obviously a vi- the villain in this, but also kind of not sometimes. Like, in, and then... Yeah, it's and she's yeah she rolls with it. She's she's uh I think there's a couple I don't know it's 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 a strange strange character but yeah I think a lot of people are up for it and I I read the people that are up for it I I can't imagine anybody else doing better than her. Nobody could have done better than her. So Affleck does not really do a lot of campaigning to help find his wife. So David Clennon and his wife, her parents show up in town, and they have it all mapped out. They've right. got a website they've created. They've got a hotline. They've got a reward and all this stuff. So they start interacting with the police and, and the local citizens in, in doing their best to find their daughter. There's a scene where a woman takes a selfie with Affleck, which is very uncomfortable to watch. And then from episodes. You ever watch that show? I haven't. Is that Matthew, one of the Friends people? Yeah, Matt LeBlanc's on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great because there, there's these little seeds being planted about Affleck being a bad person or a bad husband and a... And a and it all, all in all, shithole. The only thing he has to latch onto, other than Bleeker, is his sister. So they sort of, they, they, they get tight together as all this stuff starts to happen, and little pieces get unraveled. There's a neighbor who you mentioned earlier with the, uh, with a few kids who's claims to be the best friend of Amy. There is, who is she's the worst. There is Emily Ratatowski plays a stu- former student of Affleck's who we find out he was uh, having sex with, which is. The least science fiction part of this movie, and uh, just a bunch of little fun things happening. What what stuck out for you in those early in the first act with all the stuff kind of? No, I mean place? I think he's. Um, it's weird because he he is kind of going through the motions. It seems like, and, and you know that you know he's not a happy dude. So this happens. You know he's kind of shocked, and then later confesses. I think to Carrie Coon that he wasn't. Whenever she's gone, whenever she was, he wasn't that sad. He was kind of happy about it, you know. So uh, he has to kind of be jolted into doing normal things. Like he, he knows he didn't do it. He's not too worried about it because he doesn't like her. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of a weird. So you're right. Like everybody else has to kind of act like he should be acting. Like the parents do a good job of yeah, obviously showing concern. But they're also like the thing about the parents is they're also their their main priority is to 
push it amazing amy it seems like they that's <laughs> that's their whole life i actually went they have a they start a site called findamazingamy.com that's like first of all that's horrible right that the parent hey speaking of but I went to that site and it goes to Disney.com. Oh, that's great. And he, Affleck never does seem that concerned about her being gone. Obviously, he doesn't. Yeah, and and there's a, there's a, there's these flashback scenes that happen that I was mentioning, and there's one that she has when she comes home from work or whatever she's doing, and he's on the couch. Yes, I love that. Battlefield scene. Three. Oh wow, good she, zoom. I just read that in the trivia, and they, she picks up like a box, a laptop. And it's in a box that he bought because she's like she's saying he's buying all this stuff all the time and and she's he's she said what's this for what's this laptop for and he says laptoping of course which is actually pretty great it's it's uh, indicative of of a, of a lot of uh, situations where these people who were probably rushed into it for the wrong reasons exposed all the weaknesses and we get to see it in uncomfortable fashion here I love the fact that they mentioned Facebook in this movie yeah David sure. Fincher sly cat. Sly Cat selling tickets to Social Network years later. Good for him. Nice going, man. There's this line when so Kim Dickens plays the detective, and you know, like I said, we're talking about Ben Affleck. He's not. He's being suspicious. Like he's he's doing everything wrong, and he kind it's kind of set up for him to do all this stuff wrong by Rosamund Pike. And but Kim Dickens is always kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt, even when no one really can understand why they don't just arrest him. Right. He just looks so insanely guilty. Patrick Fuser at one point says that his wife says that Affleck, Affleck's the killer, and Dickens is like, well, if Tiffany says. Like, I think that's so great. <laughs> There's another great line uh, later on where um, in her diary she's talking about how the sex... It was a transaction where there's a scene where Ben is like doing her from behind in the hallway. Mm-hmm. She's talking about how it's you know not there's nothing going nothing good going on. I don't know if that's true or not. But then he walks away and goes, "Let's go to Outback tonight." I know it's incredible, actually. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that may be one. Yeah, that's pretty damning. And, and what you're seeing is like him cast as this kind of schlub. Like Nick said, he doesn't have a job for a while. He doesn't really. You know, he's kind of a deadbeat and. Um, like wants to go to Outback, like and she's like, you know, she comes from wealth, she comes from money, she comes from the city. You know, she expects a certain kind of lifestyle that he's not providing, even though she has all the money. Like she funds his bar, right? Yep. But you know, there's damning things that happen along the way that they're uncovering. Like he upped the life insurance policy on her, you know, according to her, according to her. Well, they have evidence of it, right? So, but but in reality, we find out that she did it to him and just had him sign it. Exactly. No, he didn't know what he was signing, but it still yeah. happened. Yeah. And so the the walls are kind of closing in on him. And you know, at this point, you don't know that she's alive, right? And then she is. First of all, I I don't know how Affleck was able to get himself through those sex scenes. I don't know how he pulled it off. I don't know, you know. But uh, there's a shot where uh, there's there's a reveal of a billboard with the the missing Amy thing, and there's a rooster crowing right as it happens. It's an adorable shot. I had to write that down. Huh. Additionally, there's these peripheral characters played by Steele Award, Missy Pyle, and Tyler Perry, who are all trying to capitalize on this thing in one way or another. Did you notice Missy Pyle looking just like Bridget Wilson in this? She did kind of look like her. You're right. Based on Na- her character is based on Nancy Grace. Yeah, Missy Except Pyle a little underrated. Her- I think. Great. And and listeners, I think that's an excuse for you guys to go back and re-listen to that House on Haunted Hill episode. You know? Just to get another taste. Of Bridget Wilson. Yeah. And then Sula Ward plays, uh, you know, basically another uh, 60 Minutes type. And then More legit to, news. More legit. Uh, mainstream news, as, as right. Affleck points out. How dare you speak ill of Nancy Grace and her perpetually smelling farts nose. <laughs> there, there's a part of this movie where they have this... This this game they play every anniversary where she she disappears. 
what she she basically leaves clues for her husband to find presents, right? And at this at the, there's the, so they, he starts to follow the clues even after she's gone for this new because they're about to celebrate their anniversary, and it leads him to this woodshed on his sister's property. When he opens it up, there's all these the stuff that she had purchased, all this like stuff for a man cave. There's a couple funny things, but one of the most the funniest thing is they're like a the flat cutest, screen, the cutest shot in the entire movie. Well, that that's later, but front and center is she has like this TV and all this these like very expensive items and in the front there she has a the dominion board game like she bought like a board game that do you ever hear that game Dominion's like a deck builder game okay i don't know about that she's got some good taste although there's a there's a part where kim dickens sorry Oz, you gotta go there's a part where kim dickens there's a she's given some pretty rough dialogue around that talking about the sport of golf okay because she's she, they chose for her character to be interested in golf okay and one of the things she says as when she's going through the financials of all these transactions, she goes, and those are some great golf gloves. Golf gloves are the cheapest part of being a golfer. You could try, If you really busted your ass, you could spend $35 on golf gloves. There's got to be some expensive ones out there. Some- That's the only it, – it's written by a non-golfer, let's just say that. But she's. But he's been set up. Like he's, he's supposed to be spending her money on frivolous items and living this kind of hedonistic lifestyle and not caring about their finances and – you know, and she's also weaving a picture that he, you know, there's a scene when he pushes her down, like, and, and she's, you know, in the story, she's fra- she's kind of framing him, setting up the fact that he's violent, you know? Well, yeah, and it's making the audience doubt him as a person, too, and that seems like, because she says at one point, she starts to weave fiction into the narrative, mm-hmm. you know, after establishing the narrative with the truth, and I think that's probably where she started weaving the fiction into it, because uh, later on, you know, Affleck basically... I mean, Grant, you, you can choose to believe him or not believe him, but his character says that he would never touch her like that. Then he does also, at the end. Then he does hurt her at the end. He, he does, does slam her into the wall at the end. He yep. does slam her into the wall. And and, mm-hmm. and calls her the C-word. That's not a very nice moment I love for, it. for my man. I love it. Tyler Perry also raw-dogging it in this as an, as an attorney who's like a really high-powered... He's got an incredible name. Do you remember it? Tanner Bolt. It's a tough name. It's incredible. Obviously, Affleck decides to retain him because it's his, his best chance at getting. So mm-hmm. you know, the movie as the movie reaches its midway point, things have you're basically you're 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 in like a tick. You know, you think you know where this is going. You think you've come to a conclusion about what's going on. They haven't really created a lot of red herrings in terms of potential suspects mm-hmm. other than Ben Affleck. And then the movie says "fuck you," and then it switches to her POV pov of amazing amy on the run having created this crazy caper and i think tonally the movie takes a change too because it almost feels like a like a scorsese movie or some sort of con man movie where crafty mastermind is do is sharing her tricks and it's really awesome it, it saves it saves the movie because it at the point where it starts to get a little fat all of a sudden you get this jolt which yeah, and, it's, and then it becomes her movie, basically. Um, I mean, sort of. I mean, it's not. No, I mean, she still has a lot of good scenes, but she and then she gets to do a lot of fun things here, which is she's dis- disguises herself. She gains weight, you know, like immediately for some reason. Like she she smashes a hammer into her eye. She's trying to not look like Amy, and she, she also starts, wants to look like she's been abused by her husband. And right, well, she but she just wants to kind of yeah, for sure. Yeah, and she wants to create this story about. Because she doesn't want to have any links to Amy. And then she also is planning to actually kill herself. Which is one of my favorites. She also starts smoking. You can't forget that. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. There's this great calendar that she has with all of her, the timelines of all the things she needs to get done. And one of them, kill self, question mark. Yeah, I love gonna... it so much. 
Yeah, she's gonna uh, she's gonna drown herself in the wash up and to uh, you know be found. But yeah, you know, she keeps moving that little post-it note, kill self, which is that's what it says. Moving it further and further down the calendar until she finally just gets rid of it. But you know, she also tells the story of so you know she has this this these lines about how she became the cool girl. She became a person for him to love, and it's not really her. And then he stopped playing his part he was no longer the cool guy he just became this this guy that just didn't care about anything and so Do you they... like the f- fact that she one of the things that she did against her will when she's talking about the things she did against her will i could not identify with her more watch the adam sandler movies exactly <laughs> drank canned for- beer and watched adam sandler movies i f- and she said i forged the man of my dream there is some amazing stuff during that sequence where amy's on the run though because first of all do you notice the website she's looking at she goes to a um a, a public cyber cafe or whatever a library or whatever uh, and she's doing some research on it, and do you see the website she goes on Mm-mm. lifestyle robots what yeah that's i think that's a, that's their search engine are in the kidding? movie, I think that's the in the Gone Girl universe. I think the search engine is called Lifestyle Robots. Oh man, I wish we were living in that universe. She also can, pulls off possibly the most stunning piss theft in cinema history. She did. She she so the the pregnant neighbor that she befriends and who she calls a pregnant idiot. She basically has to become friends with this woman because Ben Affleck was like when they interview me. She says, "Oh, she has no friends. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about the neighbor. She has no friends." And then she had secretly befriended all these the neighborhood women, especially this pregnant woman. And she yeah, she she stole her pee went over to her she goes into detail on how to do that so if you guys are ever in the market for stealing piss there's a way lemonade involves lemonade it involves the emptying the toilet pre-piss and then we get to there's a it's amazing so there's some great little moments in here where Mm -hmm. you know at the same time ben affleck and and tyler perry are trying to trying to get ahead of this a little bit so they schedule a, a you know, a uh, interview with Seal Ward's character. He's been pressured to, to reveal that he's been seeing one of his ex students. She's been leaving her panties and thing. Carrie she, Coon. Carrie Coon finds out about it in in real life in the, earlier in the movie, and it's an amazing scene where she shreds him yeah. after he lets the girl stay the night in on the couch there. Right before they're about to bust that news on Seal Ward's show, they break it. All I of a know. sudden, Emily yeah. Ratajkowski is uh, wearing different clothes, looking like a victim, like you always see in these murder stories. With uh, the Amy, amazing Amy's parents, and there's this amazing shot where they're showing this Nancy Grace-esque show where they're interviewing, and then it ends, and then the credits go lightning fast on the screen. Did you notice that? No. You know, like in, when you watch something on TV, the credits will be fast as as they have their. It's never been faster, and it's such a. It's so funny. To, it's awesome because you know Fincher is in the editing room saying, "No, they got to go fast. No, they got to go faster. No, they got to go faster. I got to make. I, you got to take." A jab at at the at the world that we live in, and it's a delight. All that stuff's happening. And then uh, Amy befriends this trailer. I guess the trailer park. You know, she lives. She's kind of living in like a tra- trailer park hotel area. She has a money belt that she has like all this money in, and you know she's play acting as this abused woman, and she catches the eye of a of her neighbor, who's this young woman, and Boyd Holbrook, who is sort of her boyfriend, and they are kind of nice. I kind of you don't like you don't hate them when they steal her money. You kind of because they kind of give her advice. Plus, it has a a, a putt putt action sequence. So yeah, there's there's a thing where she everything's going so well for Amy that at one point she she sees she through the news shows what she's obsessed with because all her plans are coming to fruition. Everybody's hating and thinking that Ben you know Nick's guilty 
she runs out of her little trailer or whatever she's in and she clicks her heels together. She jumps in there and clicks her heels together. Later when she's playing putt-putt, which is insane that she would go play putt-putt with these people, mm-hmm. these these two young hooligans, she gets a hole-in-one and then she, she does a jump celebration and that's when she drops her money belt. And that's when it all starts to go south for her. Her plans start to unravel. They have a kind robbery. It is a her. very kind robbery. They, they force themselves kind of into her place... Boyd Holbrook looks for her um, money belt and then compliments her that it's hidden well. Then she does get roughed up a little bit by Lola Kirk's character, but it, it, Lola Kirk's character knocks her glasses off. And he, Boyd Holbrook hands it, the glasses back to her, which I thought was very sweet of him. But they do take her money. And it forces her hand to either expedite the kill self or to rethink her her, motive, her plan. And, and Neil Patrick Harris's, Harris's character, it, it's alluded that he was troubled during her high school years, <clears throat> but we don't really see that. But now that he's entered the picture, she goes to him because that's a means to an end for her. And we find out what a weirdy he is. He's, he's weird. This is after we already met Scoop McNary's character, who Ben Affleck uh, goes to, to interview. This is an old boyfriend of Amy's that um, had a bad time with her. He said he started to pull away in the relationship because she became a little too controlling, and so she <laughs> accused him of rape. And he had to plead it down to sexual assault, and he hasn't really worked since or dated since for nine years. And he is, like, shattered. His little scene, he, he said, I, I saw, whenever I saw her in the news, I saw that she graduated from rape to murder, is what he says. And so she has a history of, of effing with people, basically. Um, Did you get a little chill on your spine? Sure. I mean, he's... Yeah, sure. Why? Well, seeing sitting at a table together, two of the stars of the of the Gotham universe. They were got, both in the... You got Handicap Bomb Scoot, and you got BW himself sharing the screen again. Like in Heat. It's like the Heat moment, getting those two together. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Scoot always brings it, man. He can act, this guy. He's, he's, so, he's so good. Everybody that was involved in Cat, Halt and Catch Fire is a fucking money man. Yeah. Every all five, all five leads of that show are absolute nails. Toby Huss, Toby Huss, my boy, my favorite man, Lee Pace, Lee Pace, yeah, Scoot, the girl with the great name, Malin Ireland. Don't no. you dare ever say that again. What's her name? No, 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 no. Kind of favorite. You, Car- you got Carrie Bish, Bish, the Bish, yeah, yeah. And, and then you got the girl who's the Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? She's in Blade Runner, right? I didn't watch that show, man. It's Got an Irish name. And she was in um God, she was in Station Eleven. Why can't I remember? Yeah, she's her name? great. You yeah, haven't watched Halt and Catch Fire? Can't zoom in that hard. No. Oh my god, just remedy that now. That's the best. Uh I will. I'll check it out. This is also Amy, you know, the reason she set all this stuff in motion is obviously their marriage was kind of dying, but she found out about the affair. She just she kind of got traditionally wronged by Ben Affleck. He was cheating on her with a much younger woman, and then he Bust some moves on this woman that he busted on Rosamund Pike when they when he was courting her. And I did touches, say courting. Touches her face with a sugar kiss. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Davis. So Neil Patrick Harris is a super wealthy guy who has a very strict determination on what he wants out of the relationship with one Amy, one Rosamund Pike. Well, she calls him. She she has no money left, so she 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 calls a, she phones a friend and she's like, and he comes to get her at a riverboat casino. Of course. And takes her, he's super rich. You know, at this point, Ben Affleck's already been to him to talk to him, and he's like, kind of turned his, you know, Neil Patrick Harris didn't want to talk to him. He like turns his back on him. She's manipulating him, and he wants to manipulate her. It's very weird. It's a very weird situation because obviously there was some abuse or some weird stuff that had happened in their youth that she's putting aside 
knowing that she has an easy mark in this guy. And, no, no, no. He abused. She abused him. You remember, he she says at one point, you know, you had me on a leash, and then to put it lightly. So I think that she he did everything she wanted, and it wasn't good enough. And he's still like heart heart okay. sick over her. Yeah, I don't think he abused her. He he certainly uh, got a very strict uh, idea of what he wants from her now. Do you think that um, who wins? She, he's okay? How'd it work out? <laughs> he gets super wrecked. I, I do love the house. I do love the fact that... It's his beach know, house. It's not even his proper home. It's in the woods, though, isn't it? He calls it his beach house, okay. I think. Yeah. And, and she... Should have called she, it his throat-slashed house. Do you know what I'm saying? Because... <laughs> That's what it that's ends up a, being. That's the scene where she just she's got to set herself up to go to be a victim when she returns to civilization. So she opens up a bottle of wine, Justin. Well, she does, so at this point she doesn't know. So she just needed a friend. I don't know if she's thought about this far ahead, but he starts to creep on her and starts to kind of control her, and that's not something that she wants. She he wants her to act a certain way. He he moves in there with her, and he's like, "I'm not going to force myself on you." Think, <coughs> he says really shitty things that that makes you want want her to kill him. Well, and then Affleck does, against the, the begging of his sister and his mm. Tyler Perry, goes on this interview show with Celia Ward. And we don't see what the interview's like at the time, but basically what he does is he knows that she's going to watch it. Yeah. And he indicates before he does the interview that he only has to speak to one person in this interview. Right. And it works because he, he says all the right things to get Amy to change her her plan. And after seeing that, and plus with Neil Patrick Harris being a super raw douche, she takes matters into her own hands and into her own vagina. Yeah, she really says so much. She finally is going to sleep with NPH, and he's all thrilled. He jumps up in there and clicks his heels together. He's so excited. <laughs> she, you know, she kind of even like what is she? One thing she does is he leaves for work, and um, right before he leaves, she she kind of pulls his shirt out and tussles his hair, and he mm-hmm. goes, "She's like just like the kids wear it," and so. And she kisses him, but bites his lip. And so then he walks out the door, and he's like, and he has his camera's like wired. His house is wired with cameras. It's like there's footage everywhere. He leaves, tucks his shirt back, and you see all this on the closed circuit or whatever. And then she does. That's that's like one of the best moments of the film is that she then fakes that she's been uh, raped by him mm-hmm. to one of the cameras. It's really unsettling. It's really it's really unsettling because it's it's un- yeah because it's silent too. I think that shot was in the trailer, uh, but she she gives a, she puts a wine bottle in there and does some stuff. Well, this is the that's later she does that. But this right now she just pours like wine on her to that's look right. like she's bleeding, and then she just kind of fake like that she's been assaulted, and she does a great job in that. And then later is when when he comes home is when she prepares for murder. Yeah. And yeah, she like yeah, she really prepares. She like does a good job preparing for murder. And that she's been like assaulted and she even does like she tie like these little she does like ligature marks around her wrists. Yep. And she's like just doing all this kind of casually and uh yeah. So what happens? Is the MPH comes home, he's good. He gets lucky that night. He does get to have sex. He's kind of a it doesn't last very long for my man. His life? He's not in there very long, that's what I'll say. He's it's a couple pump chump, you know. Like he's <laughs> And then for his, she he uh, ejaculates, and as he ejaculates, she slits his throat with a box cutter. Now this is a frightening scene, remind very reminiscent of Basic Instinct, and she kind of looks like Stone, I think, in in these in these scenes, um, in that movie. She as soon as she slits his throat, he's like, "What's happening? I thought this was good." 
she then turns him over and straddles him and then just makes him bleed out. It's And she's got blood everywhere on her. And then she doesn't clean it off for like the next half hour. She goes home with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's a rough scene. It's beautifully shot. There's a scene where he's up against the, standing up against the bed and her hand comes up from under his crotch and grabs his ass. It's an amazing shot. Yeah. Never seen something somebody grab like that necessarily. And let's not, let's zoom back just for a second. You want to talk about MPH's O-Face? No, I want to talk about one of the best scenes in the movie is where Ben Affleck is being prepped for his interview mm-hmm. with Celia Ward. Tyler Perry's holding a bunch of gummy bears. <laughs> this is a good scene. And he's so like, anytime, every, yeah, every, no, yeah, and, uh, anytime he comes off as disingenuous, he gets pelted, right? Mm-hmm. He said, uh, anytime you come off as, yeah, like you come off as smug, you come off as disingenuous, you know, anything like that, I'm going to throw a teddy, uh, gummy bear at you. And he keeps pelting him with gummy bears, like the... Yeah, it's, it's great. And then Carrie Coon throws one at him, and what happens to that gummy bear? Then he, he catches it in his mouth. And which is, devours it. Which is like, they, they said they spent $2 million on that shot CGI. <laughs> Affleck is terrified of going to hibachi because he can't catch food for shit. <laughs> air food. By the way, we didn't mention the cutest. We mentioned the scenario, but yeah, they discovered this uh, garage filled with all these expensive items, and there is the cutest... Yeah, robot dog, the cutest robot dog, who ends the shot squealing like a cutie. So yeah, there's a the, the cops discovered the shed that we already know what's in there. They discovered the shed because Amazing Amy herself calls it in. He says, "Hey, there's there's been some weird activity in this in the shed." So the cops roll up, open it up, and there's a bunch of shit in there. And they yeah, they end the shot with the cops are playing with a robot dog, and, and it's it's, a, it's so cute. It is very cute. It's out of nowhere. You're like, what? And they, they're thrilled. They take it out of the box, I guess, and they start playing with it. Why not? I wrote a note, and I don't remember the context. I think maybe Neil Patrick Harris recommends it. Octopus and Scrabble? I, have, I was just it? looking at it. Yeah, so they were talking about going away to, like, Italy or somewhere, some, like, resort, like, together. And he, that's it. he said she can't wait to do it. He's like, Octopus and Scrabble? Like, it's like, you know, because she's... He's a very learned man, high taste. Like, you know, he's not going to play just any board game. He's going to play Scrabble. He's not going to eat just any food. Nick. He's going to eat octopus. I think he's going to eat octopus. Maybe he's talking about just hanging with them. I don't know what he's talking about. Sounds like a weird trip. One thing I do love about Neil Patrick Harris, he lives in this place. It's like his his home his, that he puts Amy in is like you know has heated floors and it's just a beautiful house. And he's telling her all the the stuff in it, and he's like, it's got Netflix got roku he says roku mm-hmm. it's got internet of course he says he's underselling it a little bit like he's going to the, str- the streaming devices now this is 2014 maybe roku was he's speaking to somebody who has grown up with means so a lot of the trappings of a fancy house she's probably familiar with yeah but that roku shit that's the sauce <laughs> yeah so at this point they have arrested ben affleck uh, there was oh, a, the, the, the yeah. last piece of damning evidence. The, was it her journal? I forgot what it was necessarily. So it wasn't even the oh, journal. It was the, it was it was the, the shed, punch. And, oh, yeah. And, and punch and Judy. Yeah, and they covered the... There's a weapon that was in the fireplace that they... That right, they, and they there's a the punch off. and Judy subplot in this because obviously punch and Judy from back in the day, Italian, old Italian thing where the, he in. beat his wife to death. Zoomed in, yeah. yeah. And let me just go a little bit sideways here. I work for a company that makes punch cigars and our mascot is Mr. Punch. Oh, wow. We uh, we did away with the wife killing element of the of the character in our marketing. Affleck is released on bail because Tyler Perry is the best lawyer on planet Earth, and he's at home. And who shows up in his driveway, Justin? Well, his Bay, amazing Amy herself. I do I like say I think say Matt Damon showed up. All right, cool. I do like whenever um, 
Kim Dickens is reading the journal entries that she's written to Ben Affleck. This this burnt journal that they find in this furnace in his dad's house, like it's like he was trying to burn it, but it just got crisped. So she's flipping through, and then at the end she says, the last line is, "This man might kill me." And then Affleck says, "Kind of a convenient end note." <laughs> That's what he says. Like, I love it. Says it like that. She comes home bloodied, and she falls into his arms, and there's press everywhere, and they catch this reunion of these two figures, these two, you know, man and wife now, and she's back and has to be interviewed by the police. Blood-soaked. He calls her a mean thing in, in her ear when she lands in his arms. And then this is great because Kim Dickens, who had turned on Affleck because of the overwhelming evidence, but once she's back... Mm-hmm. She starts to smell a rat, and she's oh, asking. Yeah. She's the only one asking hard-hitting questions at this post-interview thing. That's great. That's a great scene because she's. There's a bunch of cops, and they're all listening to her story about how she was kidnapped by Neil Patrick Harris, Harris's character. He's obsessed with her. She was trapped in his house. He repeatedly raped her, like all this stuff. And everybody's like listening to her and like saying, "Oh, it's so horrible." And she's like soaked you know blood covered and dickens is just poking holes like she just keeps asking questions like why uh and meanwhile affleck's in the room with our boy fugit and and affleck's being sarcastic and fugit who who's onto it now that she's probably full of shit uh-huh. he's like can't you just be happy your wife's home you know he's <laughs> trying he he's <laughs> so great and he says it so like not he just doesn't care he doesn't care i love it and and so the this is why I think this is why I love this movie. Well, actually, every I love everything about this movie. But at the end, Affleck is absolutely hates her and wants her out. He wants to get the fuck away. And He's scared she, and of her. But they're both snake bit to where they they're kind of forced to latch on to each other, lest they more her than him. But she's got him in her trap. And I love the fact that basically these two people are going to be basically spending the rest of their life together in this bizarre, you know, scorpion and toad situation. There's something weird that happens here. And I think it's very interesting where he's afraid of her. He's happy that she's back because he's no longer going to be executed. She's in the house. She's a killer. She came home covered in blood. She still has blood on her. Like, he's just frightened of her. You know, and they take that shower together. That's where you get to see his his, uh, peep. Ben Affleck, you get, to see, you get to see both of them naked, um, and they're having this very honest discussion. And she kind of wants to, to talk to him because she's afraid he has a wire on her. Anyway, it's a very fraught reunion. But at night, after all this happens, and she's very kind of warm towards him and happy to be home, he is petrified. He locks the door. Like, he doesn't sleep in the same room as her. He's, he's scared of her. And then you're right. He wants to figure out a way to get away from her, and it just can't happen. But what's interesting is he starts to like she's all of a sudden pregnant with this kid because remember that there's a whole frozen sperm subplot and that makes it weird but he starts to kind of basically fall back with her i think fall in love back in love with her at least i mean he's attracted to her again she's kind of hot so much yeah, to carry much to carry coon's chagrin well so she's then the, she's the one who's most distressed about this whole thing so that's what's so heartbreaking is he starts to kind of it's like it's not that he's trapped it's like he he feels like he's trapped and then he starts to go well and maybe this isn't such a bad thing and then that's when carrie coon is her heart's broke she's like she's like my heart's broken you want to be with her you want to be with this psycho and he does, which I think is super interesting. And like, look, she's pretty cool at the end. I gotta say, I like her at the end. 
it's a she's, it's a yeah, she's on top right. of the world she's like she's she's super together and she's like i'll ne- i would never although her her, her case has some pretty big holes in it that he has to help cover up or else it falls apart this yeah. movie walks a tightrope it really does it, it it's entertaining it's satirical sexy there's it's just i think it really is uh it's a finer cut of beef and it should have been a greasy hamburger and they pulled it off and I, it just makes me happy to revisit it carrie, carrie coon calls her uh she says, i can't believe that fucking spider is american sweetheart Yes, are a fucking a spider. spider. I love it so much. Uh, our our Missy Pyle shows up at the house for the pregnancy reveal um, interview with a gift. Yeah, it brings a robot cat to match the robot dog. <laughs> it's incredible. And Bleeker is like, get that motherfucker off my fucking lawn. Um, and I le- another so the ter- Tyler Perry's last scene, I think, is they're they're all together, like Kim Dickens and Carrie Coon and. And they're just kind of commiserating because they know that she's a murderer. They know yeah. she's like guilty. Tyler Perry is laughing his ass off. He's like, "You guys are the two of the most." He loves it. He's like, "You're the two most fucked up people ever." And he's like, he like leaves the movie laughing yeah. at the situation, which is a great, which is yeah. a great choice. She says a funny thing at the end too. Whenever she says she's pregnant, and he goes, "I want a paternity test," and she says, "I love tests." Like she says, like it's a great <laughs> line. <laughs> but yeah, that whole scene when Carrie Coon. When he's at her house, and she said, "You want to stay with her." She says that it's such a it's such a heartbreaking line. She's amazing, it, man. In this, she really is. It's heartbreaking to watch Affleck have to wear a Mets hat too. I know that, that whole was... that whole behind the scenes charade. All right, there's a there's some names in the credits, not a ton, mm-hmm. but some decent ones. Let's uh, let's get in. Let's get knee deep. One thing I noticed right away is LN. Do you have LN in the in in your list here? Yeah. Are you talking about Loretta Nugget? First of all, no. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm talking about Lexus Nut. <laughs> no, I didn't see that one, but I did see Loretta Nugget. Two LNs in this dick. I can't believe it. And let me let me make it even more sensual. Two T's at the end. Oh, I got this. Ted Twiss in here. I got Ted Twiss. Of oh, course. wait a minute. Oh, two T's at the end of Nut. Yeah, of, nu- of Nugget. Oh, there, oh, well, there's two T's at the end of Nut. Yeah, but nut. I have t- Ted Twiss as well. I, I love... thought you were talking about Double T here, Ted Twiss. That's probably my favorite one, Ted Twiss. Oh, I didn't mean That's to give great... it away. Yeah, I'm sorry. PR in here. I don't have this one. He usually is in horror films, and this, he just and this is a, I guess this is they got him in for the blood stuff. But Peter Rotter in here, just super. Yeah, Peter Rotter. And then uh, I mean, the, the, you know, there's a lot of wizardry in the world of film, right? Of course, tons of it. I think nobody brought it more than KM to the production. KM don't have KM. You don't have Kimberly Merlin. I do, I do actually. Never mind. I do. You have Kimberly Merlin. Do you hear that the guy that crushes it every time, BN? Crushes it absolutely every time. It's unbelievable. So Don't have it. Brian Nailing? You didn't? <laughs> I have his uh, arch rival. Who? The guy who has to go through and make everything all, you know, copacetic at the end, make everybody happy. You got, uh, got JS. You're doing Jimmy Sweet? <laughs> Jimmy Sweet in here? GG? By the way, good have... game, Nick. Good game. GG. Gone Girl. Yeah, all in. I'm all in. Gigi Gre- Allen. Gregory, oh. Gregory Goad in this. <laughs> JD in this, making sausage, dying in cars. James, James Dean. You got James Dean on your list? No, but I could piece oh. it together from the clues. <laughs> James Dean in here? That's all I got. You have SH? Yeah. Do you have SH? No. Scott Huke in here. <laughs> Huke. Old Huke. Yeah, I got a couple other ones. I got Jay-Z. And not oh, the he, not the rapper, oh, not the recording artist, Jay Z. Who are we talking about? Talking about Jesse Zibble. Little Jesse <laughs> Zibble in here. Anyway, it doesn't matter because we got Cheeto the Cat 
That's oh who really. God, what a performance! Yeah. So look, movie's over. Credits have rolled, but there's a buzzing sound, man. It's a tattoo gun, man. What are you gonna get put on your person from old Gone Girl? Well, first of all, this is this might be an indication of how David Fincher is what he thought of this movie. I would get the the scene where David Fincher's credit comes on the screen at the beginning of the film, and it's Ben Affleck is out kind of staring off into the street, like he's looking. It's early in the morning. He's looking sad. He's looking tired. And he turns around toward the house, and they show a shot of him turning around, and there's a close-up of kind of of his butt, and then right to the right of it is David Fincher next to Affleck's butt. That's great, and that's your tat. That's what I would have, yeah, on my on my. uh, Maybe I put that on my butt. A little meta, but what about you, sir? I'm getting uh, Ben Affleck's fingerprints on my face from the spot he touched me before he kissed me. We didn't talk about how he covers up his chin and that lo- like that kind of gesture though, every once in a while just to say that he's being honest. Yeah. Does that double touch. Yeah, and then he kisses, and that's where I got I got a perfect replica of his fingerprints where he touched me before he kissed. Why do you say it like that? He touched me in the sugar you, kiss. You, you ever talked to him? Yeah. And, and you interviewed him before? I was on the set of Batman v Superman. He said this one's going to be a good one. He was excited about it. We were too busy, like, really getting down. But, yeah, love him. Movie's over. Credits have rolled once again. But, lo and behold, there's a singer at the end of the film. A little extra scene there. What are you thinking? I hear this is the scene. All of a sudden, you hear this. Ben Affleck opens the door. It's Matt Damon. He goes, Ben! Hugs him. He's like, I'm so sorry what you went through. It's Matt Damon playing himself <laughs> coming into the movie. What do you think? Because Ben Affleck plays himself in this. He's exactly himself. You don't know. You don't know him personally. You don't know if this is how he is. I assume. Oh, just from interviews and stuff. Seems a little jollier. Yeah. Than he is in this. I will say that. He was when I've seen interviews where he's talking about the movie Air. He loves it. So he's been in a positive mood. So mine is, you know, obviously you're talking about a household that is uh, a combustible situation to be uh, to be light about it. Yeah. And there's been one spectator who's had to deal with it through and through without really breaking continuity, and that is Bleeker. Uh, late at night after the probably the 10th in a row where they had a, 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 an argument or a debate about you know human morals and whatnot, you know, threatening one another, some rough sex, and then uh, guilt, Bleeker fucking fed up finally. He doesn't like what his masters have become. Mm. Goes upstairs, goes into his private room, goes down to the baseboard with his little hole in the wall, psst, psst, Little little troll demon gremlin comes out with the knife and the earring. He's like, you have my permission to steal their breath. <laughs> Bleaker betrayed them? Bleaker sent him down the river with the cat's eye bitch. <laughs> Incredible. Look, you have been given the finance and to have your own sequel to Gone Girl. Money has found its way through the cobwebs of escrow, and now it's time for you to spend. What you got? So Ben Affleck, he hears a noise. He gets up, he shoots up. He's Hold on. on the couch. I'd like to... Welcome Brownwall back to the party. Hey, most Brownwall episode ever. And he, he hears a noise and he goes in the bathroom and Amy's there applying blood to her chest and her clothing, just like slashing at the I'm listening. And he's like, what? He starts to freak out and she's like, he starts to kind of scream and she's like, shh. She's like, I, would, I told you I'd never hurt you. And she throw, she flings dust at him and he immediately falls asleep. Okay? Okay. He gets knocked out by dust. What she's done, she's become a serial killer neck and then she... She dresses herself in blood, and then she seeks out those that have wronged her. And the first, the first people that she's going to track down is Boyd Hol- Holbrook and Lola Kirk, the people from the, the trailer park. Mm-hmm. She she can get their, her revenge on. It just becomes a horror film, and she's got a cool costume. What do you think? The I don't get the dust. No, well, she she knocks them out. I just like uh, you know, 
Okay, she doesn't kill him. She does not kill him. No, she says she'd never hurt him, but she has to knock him out. Right. With, and she, has she, du- she has special dust that she does it, and then she goes out, and then she the next her next victim is Kim Dickens. I hate oh, to do it, yeah. but she's got to take her out because Tim Kim Dickens dared to ask questions during that press junket. What do you think? She I love it. Like a comes a monster because she kind of is a monster at the end. So let's just do it. Here's someone who's going to sleep at night knowing that they're they're not at, at any risk at all for revenge. Bleaker. No, Patrick Fugit. <laughs> Didn't care enough to get involved in the first place. Could not mm-hmm. be bothered. I love Complimented it. Complimented her the whole way. She's going to take out uh, Bolt as well, Tanner Bolt. It's going to be kind of like the dark half. Okay. So I'm picturing out. You know, picturing. What do you think? I love Actually, it. Actually, this could work. Mine is, it picks up on Nick and Amy. They're doing all right. You know, they're surprisingly doing well. You know, they're pregnant. They're about to have a child. You know, there's still that animosity that's beneath the surface. We don't know a lot about it. But on the eve of the baby's birth, it disappears from her womb. What? Leftovers. It's gone. Girl. Who's responsible? Is it Nick? Is it Amy? Is it the happening? We find out halfway through the film the kid took himself out. Oh, he did a gone girl? Gone babied. Yeah. Last thing we see, we see the kid. He's got a hammer, and he's he's like a newborn. He's got the hammer up against his head. He's about to Give make himself. Give himself a black guy. Yeah, poor mm-hmm. little guy. Gone baby. I like this. It's kind of like the Boss Baby, but it's it a, a lot like the Boss. Baby. Is it an animated feature? Dreadfully live action. It's at one point they had considered an Alec Baldwin type for the the uh, Tyler Perry role. Yep, I read. So this Boss Baby connection. I like yeah. this much better than my idea. Not necessarily. I saw you were looking up something, and I can yeah. only assume it's for my next question. Look, you, you've been asked to create a business associated with Gone Girl. Hey, taking that hard-earned and putting it to use. You familiar with the Where's Waldo books? So I would do a similar thing, but Where's Gone Girl, right? Okay. And so it would be... Good. Where's Amy doesn't roll off the tongue as well for you? Where's Gone Girl I like better. <laughs> and um, and so you have you get these books, and it's just a bunch of diff- different panoramic scenes whatever they do those mosaics and she's somewhere hidden in there but you know how waldo has his own objects too you always have to look for his cane his dog i don't don't know i didn't know that so yeah he has other you don't just find waldo you have to find his accessories as well and he and so bleaker would be in there and every one of these you'd have to find bleaker you'd have to find the money belt right okay the burnt journal maybe the small hammer and then lastly the wine bottle with a little bit of the bled-out corpse of NPH would also be <laughs> hidden in one of the scenes. I mean, each of the scenes. What do you think? I love it. I'd actually buy that. Of course. Where's Gone Girl? What about you? So you know how they have those rage rooms for people where they go and they, you know, they. Mm-hmm. so I'm going to have one of those, and it's perfectly modeled to look like Neil Patrick Harris's bedroom. Yes. And it's got a, a forensically accurate mm-hmm. reproduction of Neil Patrick Harris in each one. Right. And you go in there and you just dismantle that motherfucker. I mean, you pulverize and pound and viscosity is blooming all over the walls. You're just nailing into it until you've gotten your needs taken care of. You're sated and that body is just pulse. It's like if you hit pulse on the blender. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, it sounds gross. Look, you're in the movie. You've been added to the running time of Gone Girl, and that's time for your moment. What shape does your performance take? Do you know that Tyler Perry mentions twice in this movie, because they're looking for Amy, because, you know, Affleck is insistent that he didn't kill her. Super zoom, by the way. And Tyler Perry has to believe him, because he's getting paid, I guess. But Tyler Perry's like, I got my two best guys on it trying to track her down. He says it twice. You never meet these guys, and they never do anything. You just hear him say it. Now, I don't know if he's lying, but I'll be one of the guys. 
Oh, looking for Amy, and after all the events, she's back home. You know, they're back living their life. I call in. I'd be like, guys, uh, I'd be like, um, I still don't have any leads, Tanner. Just give me a couple more weeks. I think I'm onto something. He has to yell at me and say that she's <laughs> she's back. Does that mean I need to file this expense report where I was? I was searching in Aruba. I was searching in you know the Himalayas. I think she might be in Alaskan cruise. You know, one of those. And yeah. so yeah, I just that's me. I maybe not the best bloodhound and on his team. You know. Yeah, I like it. I actually would like to see that. And then he's like yelling at me and saying that she's back and all the stuff. He's and, and I'm like, so she's found. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm like, my work is done. You know, what I'm saying like he's kind of take credit. <laughs> yeah, found her. Yeah. Found her in, in her own house. Um, you know, our, the annoying neighbor sucks. She's got two kids already in a stroller and another one on the way. I'm that baby that's in the womb. Yeah. Kicking around. Super pissed. Why? Because I start to hear the soothing voice of Amy kind of hanging around my mom towards the end there. Sure. I sort of got grew a kinship with that voice. It was very comforting. And then all of a sudden it was wrenched away from me. She's gone. All and all I hear are those two nagging kids... I hear this annoying mom who's trying to get attention. I hear the husband who's dissatisfied. He's very rarely home because he's got the, these fuckers to deal with. It's just I'm 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 not even new yet, and I'm fucking hating it. Right. So I'm I'm just double fisting umbilicals and wrapping them around my neck, slowly in the womb, waiting for my little arms to develop so I have enough strength to choke the life out of myself. This sounds like you're trying to do a gone girl thing with this baby. Like you know, Amy was tying those things around her wrist, trying to make it look like she was. Well, I, maybe she inspired me, but man, I am, I am, I am exercising in that belly to try to get strong enough to kill the fuck out of myself. Fair enough. Look, man, you got to incorporate something from Gonger into your life—a mantra, a screed, a ritual. What you doing? It's a good question. Mine's easy. Like life can be tough. It's not going to get any better. A little spoiler alert. Two men. So you got to be prepared to, to roll with the punches. I've got a little saying that I repeat to myself uh, based from Gone Girl when, I, when, when I'm at a low moment and I want to feel better. I say, well, at least she drank the wine. At least she drank the wine. Because you know, could have easily just used it as a, as a vaginal smear or as a, uh, an insertion device. But she drank some of that wine. got to appreciate the wine. So when life hands you plemons, make plemonade, you know? Fair enough. I like this. I'm just going to, like, my mantra is going to be, did you see at the end, she's making him, I guess, it, what it looks like, either an omelet or a giant pancake. It's a crepe. I, I, I was only, I didn't get it right at all. Like I And, met, then, and, then, and then she, and then her next line of dialogue is crepe? He goes, oh, yes. She is making a crepe. Okay, I didn't, I didn't remember that. So she's making a crepe. Because they were to call the movie originally, it was going to be called Crepe Show. <laughs> I think she's making a Belgian waffle anyway, so he comes into her doing this this is something i think it's a little odd although this is a nice breakfast he, he eats the shit out of it did you notice his plate no he went to town on that food he loved it <laughs> he's still sour sacking but he did enjoy breakfast okay but when he walks in and she's the cat is front and center on the cook the <laughs> counter as she's cooking on this like kind of island right and doing all this stuff the cat is right front and center like looking at ben affleck and i would just that's what i I would like to do that, almost like um, what are they? What is on front the fronts of ships? Yeah, um, the lady, the lady of the lake, or whatever. You know, yeah, whatever those those those. Uh, a masthead, I guess. I guess yeah, that's what the cat looked like. I would. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna sit atop a kitchen island when someone's cooking and and stare at the room. That's what I'm gonna incorporate into my life. It just looks spooky. That cat looks spooky and very still at that point too. Yeah, the movie's like, bookended by him eating her offerings. 
he's reinvigorated. She's she's making amazing breakfasts. She killed NPH, which <laughs> does turn him on. Yeah, she's he's in it now. Anyway, yeah. By the way, mm-hmm. you didn't mention did she go kill Scoot in her in her revenge? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, he's done. Look, man, you're on an island. You've been here all these many years gathering debris from films, and now it's time to take something from Gone Girl. What you bring in sport? I'm those, I might bring those Adam Sandler movies she mentioned, actually, now that, we, that you <laughs> talked about them. I wonder which one she did. It wasn't specific, so I wonder if I could take any of them. I'd I like to have the choice of which ones you get to have. Go for it. Yeah, take it. Go ahead. You get little, uh, you get little Nikki. Into, into it. I'm fine with it. Fifty First Dates. Drew Barrymore classic. You get Hubie Halloween 1 and 2. There wasn't a sequel, but I, I would take the first and did enjoy it. There's no way there's not a sequel. I don't think there is. And then you'll get Grown Ups 2. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. What about you? I take the garage full of shit. The whole garage full of oh, shit. Oh, the, 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 the shed, the tool shed. Yeah, the work, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a, we were talking about game shows here. It's like the Price is Right showcase there. I think someone said that in the movie. It's like that the showcase might be showdown. Yeah. yeah, maybe so, yeah. So after my festivals of courage that I perform on a daily basis, you know, it's... Maybe I'll watch the flat screen for a bit, plug it out. Yeah. You know? Maybe after a few wet swings uh, out in my my day, I'll take a few dry swings with that golf club. Trying those expensive gloves, you know what I'm saying? Wow, you're going to take the sword. Is that why you're taking all this stuff, just to get the gloves? No, no. And then the, the coup de gras, I will... I've got a guest on my island you may remember from old. I took that tumor. Oh, my God. I sort of do remember this. And, Where? And I will pop that on that drone and show it sights... Rich and bold, of which the likes it's never seen. Interesting. What tumor? Um, what movie do you remember? Uh, old. Oh, f- okay. Jesus. The, the softball is grapefruit-sized tumor, and that lady is, is on my island. I got it, and I put it on the drone, and I fly it up there for a better look, and it is just glorious. It's almost like Jack and Kate on the front of the Titanic. So pretty. That little tumor up there glistening in the sun, <laughs> ca- catching heat, catching waves, getting some a little burn, a little cool burn on its, its, I guess its skin. Feeling the salty brine in the air, getting up there, and I'll sit down there with that. I'll probably be naked. I'll be. I'll have the remote control for the drone. I'll be spread eagle on the ground, <laughs> piloting that little master up there. I like the silence. I think we kind of fucked up because you and I both like to gamble a little bit. They have a river, riverboat casino that we could just park between our two islands and then meet in there and play video poker or whatever they have in there. Yeah. There is a flaw in that. What? No tumors allowed. Too much to believe the broken bones 